What? You are totally You're garbage for letting us all go down the drain. I don't think you understand finance. You're listening to the Ticker Podcast from IR Magazine, a roundup of this week's leading stories and industry comment from the world of investor relations. Here's your host, Jeff Cassette. Hi, everyone. Consider this. 45 years ago, there occurred two related events. First, in the Academy Awards' most disgraceful injustice, actor Paul Newman's hockey movie Slapshot failed to win an Oscar. At the same time, Milton Friedman was basking in his newly awarded Nobel Prize for economics. In the decades since, each man's product has endured the test of time. Newman's oeuvre remains an undisputed towering monument to cinematic awesomeness. Friedman, on the other hand, well, the consequences of hyper-adherence to his proclamation that a corporation's sole purpose was to make its owners as much money as possible, those consequences are all around us. I think you know what I mean. What you might not know is that each man, in their own way, was looking for a market solution to a social problem. Chief Executive for Corporate Purpose was founded by Paul Newman, you know, back in the late 90s with Wall Street icons like Sandy Wire, John Whitehead, Paul Volcker. And their mission was basically, or their premise or vision, if you will, was that companies can and should be a force for good. That's Nandika Madgavkar. She's head of strategy and growth at Chief Executives for Corporate Purpose. CECP helps companies redo their business and communication strategy to better align corporate purpose with social purpose. It is a big mission. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. Systemic change is never easy to do. But we believe strongly in this. That's good because the debate over the purpose of business remains quite lively. Well, a new CECP study promises to rudely upset those in the shareholder profit maximization apple cart. On this ticker podcast, CECP's Nandika Madgavkar on the long-term value of corporate purpose and how IRs can communicate it. That's coming up, but first, here's your IR news update. Regulators should have the power to make sure corporate directors are on the hook for their company's corporate purpose commitments. That's what scholars at the British Academy think. A recent report also calls for regulators to address the reasons why companies might find it hard to attract long-term committed shareholders. Hmm. UK shareholders are revolting. Activists targeted 42 companies over the past year, twice those the previous year. Consultancy Squarewell Partners predicts more activist campaigns triggered by momentum from private equity interest and the continued emergence of environmental and social issues. The Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosure has issued its fourth annual status report. And once again, it shows boards have priorities other than transparent and consistent climate reporting. The group warns that, quote, significant work needs to be done to mainstream the consideration of climate-related issues in financial decision-making. It blames sluggish progress on implementation issues. Well, yes. 
And finally, the idea that companies are not all about shareholder profit is the subject of Vira Magazine's new Stakeholder Management Report. And back with us once again with a look inside is Garnet Roach with the latest IR Research Rockpile. Hi, Garnet. Hi, Jeff. I hope you're well. It's very nice to be back here talking about our research. So the report aims to examine the issue of stakeholder management in a more quantifiable manner, looking at which issues companies are reporting on, which issues they're talking to investors about. And it takes in everything from carbon carbon neutrality goals to public health measures and supply chain relations. Of the stakeholder concerns identified in the report, resource management, socio-economic development and employee relations are the issues most commonly reported on, with more than 6 in 10 companies reporting on these issues in the past year. Although some of the issues identified get more reporting coverage than others or are talked about more often with investors, it's very clear from the findings that companies are broadly increasing their focus here. In fact, every issue identified has seen a net majority of companies increase their focus. The only areas where less than two-thirds of companies have increased their focus are socio-economic development and supply chain relations. So what does this new focus mean for IR? Well, with so many IR teams now fundamentally involved in ESG and sustainability responsibilities at their company, the increase in stakeholder issues has led these IR teams to more actively seek out ESG and CSR investors. One commentator points out that who you have investing in your company is now in itself a matter of corporate reputation. Anita McCambridge ran what they call a low-purpose company. The movie Slapshot has the rich team owner casually liquidating Paul Newman's hockey team for a quick tax write-off. Hence his ire. No spoilers here, so we'll move right to the CEC report. Basically, it says don't be an Anita McCambridge. The report's findings suggest the consequences of rampant greed, which is to say the wrong purpose, just aren't worth it. You'll find the full report online. But among other things, the research shows high-purpose brands with a 20% advantage in annualized total shareholder returns over low-purpose counterparts. And high-purpose brands double their market value over four times faster than low-purpose brands. If Nandika Madgavkar is right, and her organization succeeds at its task, articulating how corporate purpose drives value could soon become a core IR competency. And like any good storyteller, she begins with an origin story. So, so you know, initially we were very much focused on corporate responsibility and philanthropy and doing good and encouraging companies to think about how do they build that into their business strategy. But in so the interesting thing was for us that in 2014 we have what we call our board of boards which is kind of a closed door event for our CEOs mm-hmm. and at that event we had Ann Stossbull who was then the CEO of Calpers so America's you know biggest pension fund we had Dominic Barton who was then the worldwide managing director of McKinsey and Duncan Nidauer I I'm hoping I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly who was the CEO of the New York Stock Exchange and during that discussion um, and said to all the CEOs in the room that Calpers owned each, uh, uh, e- owned shares of each and every company in the room, and each of them was too short-term focused. And there, and there ensued a dialogue wherein the investors were blaming the CEOs for encouraging short-term behaviors, 
And the CEOs are blaming the investors for only rewarding short-term performance, <laughs> right? So, so it was very clear from that meeting that basically there was there needed to be a dialogue between CEOs and investors. And actually, eighty-six uh, percent of the CEOs who were surveyed in that room that day agreed that they were short-term um, focused, but they, I mean, clearly, you know, laid the blame at the door of the investors. Mm. So. Over the course of the next couple of years, we at CCP began to formalize a strategy wherein companies um, could, uh, wherein where we could provide guidance to companies to share their sustainable value creation story. I mean, it's 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 a business strategy that is forward looking. And while we applaud that companies are disclosing information um, related to ESG um, that is backward-looking, it was clear that we needed to do something that was more forward-looking and long-term focused. It's different, um, not to interject, but it, <clears throat> it is different from ESG. There's purpose, there's ESG, and there's the concept of long-termism. And they're all kind of interrelated, but yet different. They are all kind of interrelated and different, but I would say, and I would, I believe, that the corp- that corporate purpose, kind of that the very highest level north star for a company, um, informs your ESG uh, policies and um, measures. It informs your financial behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it has a large knock-on effect that I think um, we are just beginning to um, uh, 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 unravel and unpack, right? So I, I do think they are interrelated, but I do think corporate purpose is the North Star that allows a company to be, um, you know, to do good while, while doing well, let's say, to use a well-used phrase, right? Um, so I mean I think to 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 go just to go back that the CEO what happened out of that that came out of that meeting was that the CEO investor forum at the CEO investor forum which is the capital markets arm of CECP we conducted a nationwide listening tour um, where where we spoke to uh, investors uh, professional services firms company uh, company leaders and um, we we built this. Um, framework, the long-term plan content framework, um, wherein we have given guidance to companies on sort of nine themes and 23 underlying issues, if you will, um, that has seen 40 CEOs to date share their long-term plan. So, I mean, I, I think there is, it, it is a big mission. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. Systemic change is never easy to do. But we believe strongly in this. And, and as a matter of fact, the co-chairs of our advisory board are um, Alex Korsky, um, CEO of Johnson & Johnson, and Bill McNabb, uh-huh. former chairman of Vanguard. And I think having um, an, an investor uh, advisory board that believes that we need to push this boulder up the hill um, gives, us, um, you know, gives us confidence that this is slowly happening. You know, I mean, and I think I think your recent state research, state. Uh, research on purpose. I'm not really sure. Academic research on the uh, the financial effects of purpose, um, how much there had been in the past, but 
my point being is, you know, if if companies didn't have a reason to look at it now, then 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 they certainly do because you've proven that it essentially affects the bottom line. Exactly. Exactly. And actually, not only that it impacts the bottom line, I think what was really interesting about the research was mm-hmm. that that uh, an authentic corporate purpose, and I keep coming back to this because I know, Jeff, you said you didn't quite believe that this thing even exists, right? But what we found, quite honestly, is that um, uh, for companies that had an authentic and believed and lived their corporate purpose, um, through their brand and through their strategy, it 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 helps it, it can help create shareholder value uh, while positioning these companies to realize a, a return on purpose over the long term and during a crisis like what we've been through in the past couple of years. The data suggested that markets expected that companies with a stronger uh, with a strong corporate purpose would maintain a stronger connection with their consumers and deliver more resilient financial performance. So if ever there was a case to be made, I think we did that through our research. I, I, I want to insert the IR person into this, and, and they're working with finance. And I know I'm speaking very crudely here right now, and I'm just trying to imagine sort of the, uh, uh, like, like where, the, um, where the demand is coming for. Uh, from this. Um, yeah. Earlier you said, you know, kind of CEOs would like to be, you know, focused on long-term and investors would like to focus on long-term, but um, nobody really does yet. Um, is, it, is it investors coming to IR people and saying, tell your management that we want this? Or is it, you know, management saying, oh, I, I think we should have purpose. I mean, can, can you sort of fit the IR in there in that, in that intersection, the IR person? So definitely, and I can, you know, I can speak from my own experience. Um, I was at MetLife for about five years before I joined CCP. Mm-hmm. MetLife is a big insurance company, and um, we were getting, um, we were getting calls from our investor relations officers because investors were asking them uh, for more than just public statements sort of high level, high lofty goals and or their ESG and or the company's ESG reports, right? They were looking to see how, um, they were looking to see beyond the the financial, on the non-financial, how is a company doing and how are they connecting their ESG to their company financials. And this was coming not just from investors, quite honestly. It was even coming from vendors wanting, wanting to do business with, with MetLife, asking whether in their RFP, what were our commitments, whether it was environmental, whether it was diversity, equity, and inclusion, whether it was um, employee well-being, uh, health and well-being. These questions are increasingly being asked by customers, vendors, suppliers, um, and employees of their companies. And so I, I, do, I do believe uh, increasingly that IR teams have to deliver on the on stakeholder expectations for clear, meaningful, and quantifiable ties between ESG and your traditional you know, quarterly metrics, right? So 
what I what we've seen at CCP in in sort of guiding companies through their long term plan um, presentations that it takes close internal collaboration within the C suite and across the business uh, to craft this um, uh, this this strategy and to craft this uh, the telling of this of this story to these um, stakeholders and 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 we've also seen when companies haven't done it well and they've kind of got um, activist investors biting at their heels. Um, we've seen so many, you know, recent examples of, of, of um, you know, proxy voting coming into play. So I do think that there is, this is an, going to be a space increasingly where investor relations is going to have to step in because they are the main folks communicating with the investors, right? And, and, um, and, the C-suite communicating with a number of stakeholders, and 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 basically, you know, one of the one of this uh, another. This is not the the return on on purpose uh, research paper, but we had done a study where we had kind of gone out and spoken to um, um, investor relations uh, practitioners as well as investors, and mm-hmm. you know, we came up with a, a, a kind of a list of do's and don'ts, if you will, for IR pra- practitioners especially as it kind of relates to the quarterly earnings call, because again, here is an opportunity and it's all about, you know, it truly is about um, making sure that your key stakeholders are understanding um, all aspects of the company's um, strategy, right? Whether it's financial or it's the non-financial side of it. And, and basically what we, what the, the, the top three things that we came up with for IROs was that, you know, a company's corporate purpose is its North Star. It does have an impact on both financial and non-financial decisions. And analyst and investor interest in ESG is increasing. So to meet that demand, we would, we, we would advise um, uh, investor relations practitioners to be structured and reactive, like think through, be, create a clear and detailed plan on how you're going to introduce sort of material ESG um, data or progress to date during your earnings calls. I mean, that's the perfect opportunity to actually even open up that conversation, right? So, which we don't do currently. It's all about like, you know, jumping right into the quarterly earnings, which is what those calls are for. And I'm not saying don't do that, but I'm just saying it's also a great opportunity to have, to open the door to this wider conversation, which a lot of um, investors, especially institutional investors are already building into their models, right? They're already building, looking at different ESG data. But I think strangely, Nandika, they aren't the analysts. Those people aren't the analysts on those calls. Uh, years ago, I, I remember speaking to someone about a fifth analyst call, that he, he called it, and it was just to be for governance and other ESG issues uh, and presumably corporate purpose and stuff. But um, I think it's great to talk about what you're, yeah, there probably is demand from those financial analysts, Um but I, I, I don't know. I, I don't really see it so much. When I talk to IR people, they, they say, you know, on our quarterly call, that's, they don't ask about ESG issues, <laughs> much less purpose. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, well, you know, listen, it's taken a long time for the BRT, the Business Roundtable, to, mm. to come uh, to, in 2019, to come up with their revised uh, statement of corporate purpose, which kind of then focused on all um, stakeholders uh, and not just on shareholder primacy. So it takes 
time for these things to happen. But I do think increasingly, if you want to be ahead of the game, if you want to position your company as as a company which is um, uh, um, an investable opportunity, then I do think it is in your own self-interest to craft the right message, to uh, engage your analysts, maybe, you know, share ESG-related questions with them in advance to shape the Q&A discussion. They, these are proactive steps that investor relations can take if, uh-huh. they, if they were so inclined to, right? Uh-huh. There is nothing stopping them from doing that. Hmm. And, I you mean, know, it, and actually spelling out their purpose. And I, I, I was thinking, you know, how, how should companies disclose and report on their purpose? They could... They could do it in quarterly conference calls. They could, they could do it in their annual reports. They could. Uh, um... There are so many opportunities. That, you know, I mean, and, and and defining your corporate purpose doesn't mean that you have to trot out your you know company line, if you will. It's mm-hmm. like your corporate purpose. You can talk about it in so many under. It's a, such a broad umbrella that you can use it to talk about. Um, you know, for example, a, a, a resource-intensive company can use that opportunity. Their IR person can use that opportunity to talk about how they are, um, you know, um, giving back in, in, in building up uh, resources that, they, uh, that, that are sort of the dwindling natural resource, hmm. resources, right? They, or, or a human capital-intensive company can talk about community workforce training initiatives. So it's it, it doesn't have to be that you have to always kind of um, speak the, your your purpose statement, but it is under that umbrella you can talk about all the different um, um, policies and programs. Uh, you can report on progress. Like climate is such a big issue these days, right? I mean, it's not it's not just financial um, and material risk to companies, but it's a it's a systemic risk to financial markets, right? So. We, we need companies to be proactive and, and take action, right? And so I think that's kind of where investor relations can, can play a role, right? They can really sort of shape that conversation by, by talking about what they are doing. You know, there's so many definitions of what purpose means. And I think the one that I really like from mm-hmm. a company, from a corporation's point of view, is that purpose is an organization's why. It articulates why the company's work matters to the world. It is the foundation on which the company's mission, value, and culture are built. And it lies at the intersection of two fundamental questions. Who are we? So what is our authentic and distinctive strength? And what human um, and or society need do we fulfill? And if we can sit back and articulate that, I think, you know, that's kind of when you have that aha moment. And that is when, you know, you realize uh, when I said that, you know, for, for good, for, for companies who truly have, uh, have embedded their corporate purpose into their DNA, it becomes an enduring North Star. It becomes the opportunity to help transcend um, virtual distances, especially like in this kind of crazy world that we're living in. And and I do think that that is it is the why. And for me as an individual, what is my purpose to me? I thought like that's that's it. Why why 
am I doing what I'm doing today? Like, why do I so strongly believe that we can make a difference and we can shift perceptions in the capital markets towards the long term? Why would I even put my shoulder behind this, what what seems to be a gargantuan task, right? I mean, like, because I do think that 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 is so important. If we have to build a, if we want to leave a world behind for our future generations, if we don't do something now, and if we don't have shift some perceptions now, who who will do that? Like, who is going to wave that flag? Uh, again, I think I think if you can prove that you can do that and 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 still have value creation, that's kind of an incentive. <laughs> if you yeah, no, actually, actually, to that point, I was just reading. I don't know if you've seen this, and I can send you the link to it. The uh, Edelman is a strategic partner of CCPs, and Richard Edelman, their CEO, sits on our board. Hmm. And they just released data. It is a 2020 Edelman Trust Barometers special report on institutional investors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a lot of great, great, there's a lot of great data in there. And I, I, I'll send you the report after this call. Um, but the one thing that stood out for me, um, and, I, and I quote here, is that clarity of your mission and purpose builds investor trust. Um, 77% of, of the U.S. investors surveyed said that clearly articulating the company's mission and executing on that mission builds trust. And the other relevant data point was that 98% of investors are considering ESG, which again, as I said, it all ladders up to purpose in my head at least, um, in their investment in their investment process. So ESG and purpose and the bottom line are all very much interconnected and integrated. And and those who think that they can continue um, BAU, maybe they can for a bit, but I think the writing I think is really on the wall now. And that's your Ticker Podcast. My thanks to CECP's Nandika Madgavkar. And thank you for listening. In Montreal, I'm Jeff Cassette. What we've got here is failure to communicate.